ahead and grab a seat. You guys are ahead of the game. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. Um, for those of you who don't know, or for those of you who have kind of in and out a little bit, for the last several months, we've been in a series called The Whole Story, where we're trying to show you, I'm trying to show you that the Bible is not just a division of different stories. It's one big story that tells one big thing, okay? And, and that's what I want you to see. And so tonight what we're going to do, though, because we've had some people in and out. We've got several people out tonight and several new faces, which is awesome. So we're going to do kind of a catch-up. Uh, like at school you have review day. This is kind of what we're going to do tonight. Um, it's call, I mean, we're calling it The Story So Far, okay? So we're going to walk back through some bigger themes that we've touched on, so that way as we start a new chunk of the series next week, you guys will all be caught up. Does that make sense? Can everybody say word? word. You guys are so cool. Um, so that's what we're going to do tonight, all right? So that way everyone will be on the same page as we come into next week. So we've gotten through Genesis to Joshua, the first six books of the Bible, and next week we'll kind of start our second section. And tonight we'll go through different, several different slides, and, and I'll show you guys what that looks like. So, um, but let's do this. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And David, go ahead and hit the next slide. Boom. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Brooks, what does that say up there? Nicely done. In the beginning. And you projected. That was excellent, Brooks. Um, in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Noah, when did God create the heavens and the earth? Good job. No, in the beginning. So follow this now. So in the beginning, God did these things. Which means in the beginning, there was God. It doesn't say, follow this, it doesn't say, in the beginning there was time. So before time began, there was God. It doesn't say, in the beginning, there was empty space that needed to be filled. It only says, in the beginning, there was God. It wasn't that there was nothing and God. God was there before even the nothing got there. Okay? Does that make sense? Not really, but that's okay. In the beginning, there was God. There was no time happening. There was no space that needed to be filled. There was nothing but God. And we like, because we like to think about in the beginning, like things were happening, like there was nothing and nothing was doing whatever nothing does, and God was there. But that's not what the Bible says. In the beginning, God wasn't around. God was the beginning. God was not around during the beginning. God was the beginning. Everything starts with Him. So all authority, all beauty, Everything that happens comes from God. There is no other source. Look in your Bibles. You may have to use your table of contents, which is okay. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. There you go. Had to think through it. Or just use your table of contents. That's okay. Ephesians chapter 1. And go to verse 11. Ephesians 1.11. This, this is what that verse says. So again, we're in Ephesians 1.11. In Christ we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of God, who works out everything according to the purpose of His will. Who works out 
everything according to the purpose of His will. Lydia, does God just work out some things? Or does He work out everything? Good. God works out all things. Thomas, does God only work out the things that we're comfortable with? No. He works out what? Every, good, Thomas. He works out every. Do you notice the pattern? God works out all things. Not just some things. Not just the things that we're comfortable with. All things. The incredible things God works out. The terrible things God is at work in. The in-between things, which the older you get, the more this will happen. The in-between things where you're like, is this a good thing or is it, uh, it's not that great? All things come from God. Because God was there in the beginning to start it all. All things happen as a part of His will. Now look back at verse 11 again. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything, or who works all things. Okay, The New Testament was originally written in Greek. That word in Greek, which I know you'll remember, that word in Greek is energentos. It sounds a lot like energy which is where we get the word from, to work out. God works out all things. That word is energentos. This is clearly saying that God is not just up there planning things. He is up there working, bringing energy into all things, working out everything according to His will, according to what He wants to happen. It's not that He plans things and just lets them go. Okay, He doesn't do that. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not what energentos means. God didn't just, follow this, God didn't just plan the creation of the world. He created the world. So He doesn't just plan for things to happen in your life and then let them go. He is at work in it. Remember how God made Adam? Let's, do, let's see my theology majors here. Uh, medley. When God creates Adam, what does God use to create Adam? Does He use like sawdust? Does he use cheese puffs? How does God create Adam? What does he use? Do you remember? Lively, can you help him out? Good. Where does he get it from? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Dust or dirt from the what? The ground. Yeah, from, from the earth. Get it from Medley. Wow, he really worked through that one, man. You, you worked it out. Good. He made, so, so follow this. God makes Adam using the dirt from the ground. So God is literally, because this has to do with your life, that means God is literally outside, rolling up his sleeves, working in the world with his hands. And he does the same thing today. Pulling the strings of your life. Remember, all things. Pulling the strings of your life. The people you meet. The things you see. The days where you think, wow, man, that was really lucky. No, it wasn't. It was part of God's plan. He put it into motion. Energentos. He worked so that it would happen. And the days where you think, now stick with me here, and the days where you think, well, man, this is awful. I guess bad things just happen sometimes. No. This is also part of God's plan. Part of God's working in your salvation. You don't have to turn there, but you may want to write it in the margin somewhere. Lamentations, you can just put L-A-M, if I ain't spelling that. Lamentations, Chapter 3, verse 38. Lamentations 3.38 says, Is it not from the mouth of God that both disasters and good things come? 
One more time. Is it not from the mouth of God that both disasters and good things come? Nothing happens without God's knowledge and work. Nothing happens without God's knowledge and work. Either He puts it into action, or He sees that it's bad and it's coming, and He lifts His hand to allow it to happen. Because Genesis 1 tells us that God was the beginning, and Ephesians 1 tells us He's been working and planning since the beginning. Now, this is a hard pill to swallow sometimes, right? God allows bad things? Let me try to offer you some help on this before we move on in two ways. Number one, this means if God allows, remember, He lifts that hand to allow it to happen. If God allows bad things to happen, this means that nothing bad, think about this, nothing bad in your life is random. Nothing bad in your life means that God has taken His hand off the wheel of your life or that He's somehow lost control. Ephesians 1 directly says that's not true. Nothing bad that happens in your life is random or outside of God's control. God allowing bad things means He's in total control. Anything bad that happens cannot happen. Anything bad that happens cannot happen without His explicit permission always. And then number two, since He's got the plan, since He's working in the plan, that means you can run to Him during the plan. And he'll know exactly what you're talking about. Let me back up again. Since he's got this plan, and since he's working in this plan, directly involved in the plan of your life, look at me, that means you can run to him during the plan when bad things happen, and he'll know exactly what you're talking about. He won't look at you and say, what? I had nothing to do with this. You're on your own here. This wasn't me. God can say, I know exactly what you're talking about. Come and sit with me for a little while. There are things in this life that I can't explain. The, the shooting in Las Vegas, I can't explain that. The hurricanes that happen, I can't explain that. But I'll tell you this too, a little bit about me. Um, I was a huge jerk to girls growing up. Um, in high school and middle school. And fellas, I hope that you will listen to this. And in middle school, I know it's not quite there yet. I hope it's not quite there yet. But especially high schoolers, um, I messed up a lot of lives looking for girls the wrong way. Um, And yet, and remember we're talking about things we can't explain. And yet, instead of thrashing me for it, instead of wrecking my life like I deserved, God, first of all, saved me from that sin. And I didn't ask him to. I didn't care about that. But instead of saying, well, see you later, Ryan. You're going to go to hell for what you've done. God abandoned Jesus, his own son, instead of abandoning me so that he would never have to abandon me. And I can't explain the bad things that happened, but listen, I can't explain that either. And God not only did that, but God... Uh, My wedding invitations came in the mail today. God brought me a girl in my life named Kristen, who is patient with my absolute insanity. Uh, She's much better looking than I am, and she's also much stronger of a person than I am. Uh, He gave me a fiancé that I never deserved, and I can't explain that either. Okay? So there will be terrors, and I wish I had learned this in middle school. There will be 
terrors in your life that you can't explain. But God knows, and you can run to Him. And there will also be grace in your life that you can't explain. Good things that happen in your life that you can't explain. But God knows, and you can run to Him. I have a little smiley face in my notes there because that's awesome. Um, God was, thank you, Lauren, God was in perfect harmony with Himself in the beginning. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Better than the perfect song, perfect love, and the perfect dance. If anyone has ever been happy, it's God. Because He was in perfect communion with God the whole time. And He was so happy that He wanted to bring you into it. Now this is so important because we kind of learn things to the contrary about why did God create you. He wasn't lonely. He's in perfect relationship with Himself. He didn't need anyone to rule over. He wanted more people so that they could enjoy what he was already enjoying. Flip back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. David, we can go to the second slide. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let's see. Alexis, what does that say? In his image. Exactly. Genesis 1.26 um, says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals and over all the living creatures that move on the ground. So, so follow this. God says, we'll make man in our image, in our likeness. We'll make them like us. Let's make them like us so that they can enjoy the same things that we enjoy. So they can enjoy this perfect love too, this perfect dance with us. You see, here it is. Mankind was made to know God, not to be God. If he made you to be God, he would have just cloned himself. He's God. He can do that. But instead, he made man to rule over the earth the way God ruled the universe. Man is a smaller version of this that looks up to God, the bigger version, for inspiration, for purpose, and for help. What is your purpose? Look to God and you'll see it. This means, and this is what this has to do with you, this means that the deepest call of your life is to know God, to do what He wants, to go where He wants you to go, to act how He wants you to act, to to join Him in this dance. It's not just blindly following, you're joining Him in this perfect dance that dates all the way back to creation. And it was going so well. Adam cultivated the garden and made it grow, just like God cultivated the earth and made it grow. You see how they're in His image? But then everything changed. And flip over to Genesis chapter 3. And David, we can go to chapter, uh, slide number 3. Kaufman, what does that say? The fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that you may not eat from any tree in the garden? So Adam and Eve are tempted by the serpent, Satan, a prideful fallen angel, to disobey God. And Adam's heart fails and he sins. So Adam is not being watched over by God at this point. God comes down later to walk in the garden with him. 
Adam is left alone and Adam falls to temptation. So follow this and begin to work this in. Adam's sin shows the universe for all time that man, when left alone, apart from God's goodness and grace, will choose evil. You need God in your life or you will wander away from Him. This is why church is so important. This is why Bible study and inviting your friends, not just to church, okay? This is not a plug for me to get more kids. But it's an invitation and it's a reason that you need to bring your friends, bring people you don't know, not just to church, although yes here, but into godly circles of influence. Places where they don't have access to the grace of God so they can see the grace of God in you. Because we are lost without God. We will choose evil just like Adam. And we need His grace to turn us around. And maybe His grace can come through you to someone else. Adam and Eve sinned. And this sin has destroyed the world ever since. Our sin, your sin, has destroyed our relationship with God. Look at Genesis 3 verse 8. Genesis 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. So now God is here, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And we've talked about this before. You see, we hide now. You've inherited this from Adam and Eve. Your first reaction is to hide from God. Even if you can't comprehend what that means in your mind, you still live it out in your soul. We don't want things to come out into the light anymore. When we've screwed up, when we've done something really bad, the last place you're going to go is here. Or the last place may be your parents' room to tell them what's happened, but the second to last place you'll come is here because we don't want it in the light We need someone to bring the light to us now. To play the music again so that we can relearn the dance of Genesis 1 and 2. And he's coming. Genesis 3 verse 15. God says to Satan, I will put hatred between you and the woman. Between her children and yours. Her child will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So, Here's the game plan of God. A descendant of Eve is coming. And he will feel the venom of Satan's fangs, the full force of Satan's power, and it will kill him, sadly. But Satan will be destroyed in the process. His head will be crushed. All his venom will be used up. This is the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the first instance we have that the cross is coming. Death will come, but that death will bring life. The full force of Satan's power ends in death, and death is swallowed up, and all that's left is life. Jesus brings the music back into the world. Begin to think of him like that. This is what's going to happen in the New Testament. So, But there's this child coming from Eve, from one of her descendants. Where does this child come from? We get a better look. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. You guys are doing a good job of kind of hopping around. I appreciate it. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. Right now. The Lord has said to Abram, that's Abraham, same guy, Father Abraham, you know the song. The Lord had said, 
And if you don't know the song, you're not missing much. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Here it comes. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So through Abraham, a descendant is coming. Through Abraham, this great nation is coming. And in this great nation, there will be one who will bless the whole world. Someone who will impact the whole world. So Abraham's line has to be protected. Does that make sense? His children have to be protected or the world can't be blessed through one of his children. Abraham has a son named Isaac through an amazing miracle of God. Then Isaac has a son named Jacob, that's what I want to make sure. <laughs> Isaac had a son named Jacob. Then Jacob has 13 sons. And one of them is this guy, Joseph. Joseph is sent to Egypt by God, sold as a slave. And Jacob eventually joins him there. And there in Egypt, the family of Jacob, the descendants of Abraham grow into this nation. You know Moses gets the Israelites out of Egypt. How do the Israelites get to Egypt? This is how. Joseph is sold into slavery to Egypt. Jacob comes to join him. They plant there and they grow into this nation. The great nation that God has predicted. But Egypt enslaves them. And the Israelites will die if they don't get out. And the line that this Savior is supposed to come through is the, is, the, is the Israelites, the Israelite people. If the Israelite people die, there will be no Savior to come. The line will be broken. So God sends a man named Moses. You can go to the next slide, David. God sends a man named Moses. And now follow this. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Moses represents the people, but he wields the power of God. Through Moses, the representative of the people, God wields his power and sends ten plagues on Egypt, decimating the most powerful country the world has ever seen up to that point in a matter of months, ending with the plague of the death of the firstborn. But the people of Israel, and you know this, the people of Israel don't have to go through the plague. Their children don't have to die if they will put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. As a symbol, God is already whispering. We heard it in Genesis 3.15, now we see it again. God is already whispering to His people thousands of years ahead of time. Trust in the blood of the Lamb. And John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. This is what he's quoting. This is what he's talking about. Why would you call someone a lamb? It doesn't make any sense. Except for the fact that for thousands of years, these people have been looking to a lamb for safety, remembering the lamb's sacrifice for protection. So as soon as John says that, that's what links in their minds. He's going to be a sacrifice that protects people. Better than all the earthly lambs put together, Jesus' blood will cover our sins and allow us to enter the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. All part of God's plan and God's work. After this final plague, Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. Through Moses, God splits the Red Sea. Remember, Moses represents the people, but through Moses, God wields his power. And the people pass through to safety thanks to their representative, Moses, 
who has the power of God. Who else in the Bible represents the people and has the power of God? Christ. Moses is an echo. Moses is a shadow, a whisper of the true Savior who is to come. Hebrews 3 tells us Jesus is the greater Moses. Now, how can you be... All right, Moses has a pretty solid resume. Let's be honest, right? Moses can teach me Sunday school any day of the week. Moses is doing a good job. How can you be better than Moses? And why would he even mention Moses here? Couldn't he be a better David? Couldn't he be a better Samson? Christ is a better Moses because Christ leads a better exodus. Christ frees his people in an even bigger and better way than Moses could. We are not in bondage to slavery. We are in bondage to sin. Jesus is our representative who gets us out. Just like Moses was the representative who got Israel out. Moses leads his people to the promised land, and then he dies, leaving this man Joshua in charge, where we picked up last week. Joshua trusts in the Lord, and the Israelites take the promised land. But even though they're out of Egypt, Egypt is still in them. Their sin remains. They have to fight tooth and nail for the promised land, and they are losing most of it. Israel and the chosen child to come through Israel will be snuffed out by Satan when they're all murdered by the Canaanites in the promised land. So God must send judges to help Israel, to bring them back, 15 to be exact. Israelite men and women, what is a judge? Israelite men and women who are given wisdom from God to lead and govern the Israelites back to God's law and back to God's love that they had forgotten. And that's where we'll be next week. But for for now, let me just end it like this. The judges are to lead the Israelites back to the love and the law and the God that they have forgotten. And I wonder if some of you have forgotten. I wonder if maybe for some of you the music still plays in your heart and it sounds good and you want that, but you've forgotten the love of God. You've forgotten the law of God. You go your own way. You were built to, be, to, to know God, not to be God. Through the judges, God is still playing the music for Israel. Come back to me. Come back and join this dance. And it's the same music that He plays for you today. Won't you join Him? Won't you take your life and join the dance that He has been playing since the beginning? Let's pray together.